Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You make sure you have a laser focus on the call of God. And that's what you're looking at. That's what you're focused on. That's what you're headed. If you're going to expend energy, effort, or your passion, make sure it's all directed to the thing that God wants you to do. Because many times Satan is trying to direct all that same stuff to something dumb. You know, imagine a man or a woman called to do a great work for God. And instead of focusing all their passion, energy, gifts, and effort here, they're focusing their passion, energy, gifts, and efforts on fighting with a person. When God makes a calling on your life clear to you, that's when Satan is going to try to distract you from it. He doesn't want to see God's will get done. So he'll send distraction after distraction to get you off track of God's plan for you. As Pastor Bill is going to show you today, you need to keep a laser focus on doing God's work. He'll give you the abilities and resources you need to see his work through to the end. But you need to be willing to step out in faith and do it without letting anything get in the way. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 as he continues his message, Stand Your Ground. As I'm doing all these things, God said, that's putting on the full armor. If your feet are shod with the preparation of some juicy gossip, you're already moving in the wrong direction. You don't have on the full armor of God. Satan got you moving in the wrong direction, saying the wrong things to the wrong people. That's what it means, right? I don't have the sword of the spirit. I'm not speaking the word of God. I'm speaking doubt. I'm a naysayer. I'm like, well, what if this happens? You know, when you got people that are trying to take steps of faith, you always got those people. I don't know. Maybe because what about this? And what about that? You know, people that just won't take God at his word. Right. Then now, instead of speaking God's word, instead of having a sword to defeat the enemy, you know, sheath your sword and you got your thoughts. What the Bible says, don't lean to your understanding. So putting all the whole armor of God is done in faith. It's not something you pray. I don't pray, God, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. You can't pray for God to give you each piece of the armor. You actualize each piece. You put it into practice. Like I said, as we go through each one, we'll talk about practically each one, how we wear it, how we walk in it. But understand that it's something that's done through your faithfulness. You're believing God and obeying, adhering to what God has shown you. I can pray all day, God, put on the helmet, put on this. Okay, I'm ready to walk out my door. It's not how it works. None of that matters if when I walk out my door, I don't apply faith when faith is challenged. If I don't cling to my salvation when it's challenged, if I don't speak the word of God when that's what's being challenged, that's when it matters. It's when it's challenged that I stand in what I know, that I stand in those truths. And so that's why I think this is going to be so important as we go through each one. We need to know what they are, that we might apply them and walk in them, that we might be victorious. But he says, put on the whole armor. Don't be content to leave any openings in your life. And so if you're incomplete if you say, yeah, I'm good here, but I'm not good here. You know, I walk in this, but I don't walk in that part. Um. You want to be asking the Lord as we walk that God help me to be covered in every area. So help me to find full coverage for me and all these things that I would put on the full armor of God. He goes on and he says, put on the whole armor of God, verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Um, the thing that God wants us to do as believers is to be able to stand. That's why we call this series, Stand Your Ground, right? He doesn't want you to run from the enemy cower from the enemy, quit when you get attacked. Guys, I want you to stand your ground, stand. But he tells us how. He says, I want you to pull on the whole armor, God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles. The wiles are the schemes and the tricks of the enemy that you may be able to stand because there is an enemy. He's tricky. He's got schemes and sneaky stuff that he does, deceptive things. And I want you to be able to stand against the enemy when he comes. I've actually known believers that were serving 
And as they begin to experience warfare, which happens when you serve the Lord, I've actually had people say, I'm going to take a break because it's just too much right now. Like succumb to that from the enemy. Um, They're going to succumb to the fact that, man, I'm being attacked, so I'm going to just stop. And I got to tell you that you don't ever want to do that. That's like teaching Satan how to defeat you. You don't ever stop. When you find that, man, this is an attack from the enemy. My conviction is that we go harder. Right? If I feel like, man, God, as I'm preparing a message for something and I really am getting attacked, I'm like, I'm going to prepare that message even more. I'm going to go even harder. I was going one day. I got invited to go to Calvary Chapel Montebello. I got invited to speak there on a Sunday morning. And I got up early that morning and I was getting ready to go get coffee. And I went out to the car and they had shot my wife's back window out. And I was like, what? The window was shot out. You know, glass was everywhere. And I remember I went back in the house and I told my wife. And I'm like, they shot the back window out. This is when we was living in Downey. They don't even shoot over here. You know, I found out later some kids with a pellet gun going around doing this to people's cars. But they got me. And I got up that morning. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm leaving the car here. I'm going to go in the bathroom. I'm in the bathroom. I pray. God I said, God, I'm, I wasn't even going to do this. I would just have my little message plan. I'm going to give the gospel out. I'm going to do an altar call. I'm going to just stomp my feet down a little bit harder. Like, I'm not going to be deterred by this. And we had planted the church, so my wife was going to Inglewood without me. I was going to Montebello. My flesh wanted to say, oh, I need to stay here and protect my family. My wife was like, no, look here, just go. We good. You know, I'm from Compton. I got this, you know. And so she went and did her thing. I went over there and did that. And I believe that we're not to cower, we're not to fall back. Don't ever stop. Don't ever not move forward if you know that this is an attack of the enemy. I'm getting ready to do something for God, and now this happens. You make sure that whatever that is you were getting ready to do, you get, you get there and do it. You get there and you get it done anyway. Um, I believe that's one way that we defeat the enemy. We overcome it. We don't succumb. We don't quit. We don't fall back. And uh, like I said before, we'll see. I'm going to talk about it several times. There isn't anything to protect you as you run from the battle. Um, all your protection is for you to continue going forward in the battle. And so now he says in verse 12, look at it. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, this is really important that your warfare can never be with people, though it might come through people. And I want you to pay attention to this because I think this is where a lot of Christians mess up. Your war can't be with people, though it might come through people, right? I'm a pastor of a church. I say things that people like and I say things that people don't like. Um, I have people that don't like me because of things I've said. I have people that uh, are angry with me, talk bad about me because of things that I've said, right? Um, can they become my enemies? They can't. They can never be my enemy. I can never accept them as the enemy because God tells me here, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And as long as you got flesh and blood, which I believe everybody here does, unless I'm being tricked real good, you know, you don't qualify to be my enemy because I'm a spiritual being. And I'm in a spiritual battle. My enemies are spiritual, right? They're not human. Now, we know that Satan and demons can use a person, right? Satan told God in heaven that he was going to make Job curse God to his face. And then after Job lost everything, Job's wife missed Job. She came over and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Somehow the words from Satan got into her mouth. Now, I'm sure Miss Job was a, a fine woman the rest of the time. But on this particular day, Satan was speaking through her, right? Now, she can't be the enemy. We can't say that she's a demon. No, and that day, however the enemy got through to her, he was speaking through her. Peter, right? Um, Jesus said he was going to go to the cross. He was going to die. Peter said, no, Lord. And what did God tell Peter? Get behind me, Satan. 
right? Because what you just said right there is what Satan wants. Satan don't want me to go to the cross. You're speaking what Satan wants. Get behind me, Satan, right? Now, did that make Peter, was Peter demon-possessed? No. Peter a bad guy? No. But in that moment right there, Peter, through his own weakness, was being used by the enemy. We have to be able to see the difference because there are going to be people over the course of time, if you walk with God and serve the Lord, there are going to be people that in their own weakness, spiritually, attack you. And they may speak the word of Satan to you or about you. And you got to be able to look at them and say, nah, I'm not mad at them, right? I don't like what they're doing, but I'm not mad at them. It's the enemy. They've given way to the enemy and they can't become my enemy. And even though they're being adversarial towards you, what does the Bible say to do for those that are your enemies? Pray for them. You pray for them. You know, something spiritual, something supernatural will happen when you pray for people. When you pray for people that are doing mean things, your heart changes towards them, right? The people that I've prayed for, I begin to pity them. I begin to see with different eyes. Without them changing, without them saying sorry, you just look and you think, man, look, what must they be going through to be this way? Look how unhappy they are. Look at the enemy has them. It's not just this, it's other areas of their life. You begin to see what the enemy has and you pray for them. And you pray for them till they get it together, but you don't make them your enemy. You don't attack back. You don't fire back at them. You just, man, I'm praying for them, praying for them. The enemy's doing a the work there, right? What it does is frees you up to continue to be used by the Lord. Because as soon as I make a person my enemy, now I'm fighting the wrong battle with the wrong person. Satan's standing somewhere looking, saying, look at him, got him. Got him fighting the wrong people, right? I'm supposed to be on my face praying, saying, God, this is what's going on. This house affected me. This is what they said. This is what they're doing. Lord, help them. Minister to them. Whatever's happening in their hearts that Satan has access. God, I'm praying for them and I'm praying for me. Help me to love them. Help me to forgive them. Help me to walk it out. Lord, help me not to be distracted or deterred by it. Give me victory over it. But you pray for that. Interesting word to you. He says, for we don't wrestle. And there's two ideas of wrestling that they would have had in this mindset here, the Greek mind. There was the Olympic style wrestling. There was a Colosseum wrestling. So the Olympic wrestling, you wrestle till you pin your opponent's head down on the ground for a certain amount of time. And, you know, you dominate them and you win. And they're shamed and they're part of the country. They come from ashamed and other persons exalted. The Colosseum style wrestling was to the death. And so I want you to imagine the tenacity or the vigor, the passion. Like if you were wrestling with someone knowing that one of us going to die, whoever loses dies. How hard would you go? Right. When would you give up? At what point would you say, oh, I'm tired? You know, no, this is to the death. I can't get tired. If we get tired. I die. You know. And so Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And I want us to understand that one of the questions I want to answer is what's at stake. Right. I'm in a spiritual battle. What's really at stake? What's the enemy after? Right. When Satan attacks me, when Satan attacks you, what's he really after? He's after the call of God upon your life. He's after your effectiveness as a believer. He's after your focus because many times these things happen as a distraction to what we're really supposed to be focused on. And so rather than focusing over here at what God's doing, we're focusing on this thing all of a sudden. I told you guys about that morning where I'm going to go preach. Well, the women were leaving for the retreat Friday morning. And guess what? I go out Friday morning and find that my wife's car, the same car that the window got shot out. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a bad luck car, but that car was broken into. And somebody had broke into it and went all through it. And it was like, you know what? Right now, that wants to be a distraction to what God's trying. So I just, whatever, just forget about it. Go on up the thing and go. You know, it wants to distract, but it can't be, unless you let it. Can't let that be a distraction. Don't let people, don't let random stuff that the enemy's doing be a distraction. If God's giving you something to do, you make sure you be about that. You make sure you have a laser focus on the call of God. And that's what you're looking at. That's what you're focused on. That's what you're headed. If you're going to expend energy, effort, or your passion, make sure it's all directed to the thing that God wants you to do. Because many times Satan is trying to direct all that same stuff to something dumb, 
You know, imagine a man or a woman called to do a great work for God. And instead of focusing all their passion, energy, gifts and effort here, they're focusing their passion, energy, gifts and efforts on fighting with a person. You lose there. You lose time. You lose sleep. You lose energy. Passion that should have went here is gone here. Vision that should have gone there is wasted there. All this right here is Satan just soaking up all of your spiritual vitality. Wasted right there. We got to fight the right battle. And so we wrestle not against flesh and blood, it says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All those things describe the demonic realm. These are all descriptions of the rank and file of Satan and his demons. And so where does Satan come from? Where do the demons come from? For you guys that don't know, Satan is a fallen angel. God made two beings that were eternal. He made human beings. We live forever. We're body, soul, and spirit. These bodies die, but your spirit lives on forever. You're an eternal being. He made angels that are also eternal beings. They live forever. And so we know from Hebrews that God says that he gives aid or assistance or help to the seed of Abraham, but he does not give aid to the angels. What does that mean? That means that human beings, when they jack up, God's made a provision for you, Jesus Christ, and the cross, you can be forgiven. Angels, when they mess up, there's no provision. When the angels fall, hell is their destination. There's no way out. So we know from Isaiah and Ezekiel about the fall of Satan. He was the anointed cherub that covered. He was a high-ranking angel with authority over other angels. Um, We know that in his being was trembles and pipes, and so that's why they say he was a worship leader of heaven. And he came to a point where he was no longer content to bring worship to the Lord. He said, I will be like the most high. I will ascend. And God said, no, you won't. And he was booted out. But because of the authority that he possessed, a third of the angels fell with him. So if a third of the angels went with Satan and the rest are with God, who's got more angels in the unseen realm? God does. Just so we, so we got numbers, just so y'all know that. Satan is not God's nemesis or his equal. Um, it's not like, you know, Satan and God is an even scrap. Satan is just a created being and, you know, he's a defeated foe. He knows he's going to hell. Um, The demons know they're going to hell. You see interests in the gospel where they're like, please don't send us yet. They know that eventually they're going to be sent to hell. They can fire forever and ever and ever. And so what's Satan doing? He's a prince of power of the air. He's moving through the unseen realm. This is what he's trying to do. He can't go to heaven. When I did youth ministry, we do pool parties in the summer And the kids are always trying to tackle the pastor into the pool, you know. So inevitably at a pool party, you'd be around and you start seeing the group of boys snickering and crouching and coming. It's like, okay, they're going to try to get me and throw me in. And I would accept defeat. But my mindset was I'm going to grab as many of them with me as we go. I'm not just getting thrown in. Y'all coming too, you know. That's kind of the that's where Satan is functioning from. You know, I know I'm going down, but as many of you as I can deceive and trick into coming with me. That's what I want to do. So why would Satan bother me? I'm going to heaven. He can't take me to hell now. I'm locked in. Yeah, but you have an impact on other people. And if Satan can rid you of your effectiveness, if Satan can wreck your testimony, you know that there are people that are Christians, but they live so foul that nobody will listen to them. Satan will take that, right? I'll make you impotent as a believer. I'll make sure nobody will listen to nothing you say, even though you know the truth. I'll make sure that no one will hear it from your mouth because you're living so foul. Your own kids won't hear it from you, some people. Right. Your own family, your own friends, they won't hear it from you because your lifestyle is so foul. Satan will take that victory. Right. He'll take whatever victory he can. How do I rob you of the impact that you can have on other people? He'll take it. There are pastors that I know that gifted pastors could preach the word. Um, God gifted them with this and they fell into sin um, that disqualified them. 
And so you got a man that's got a gift and a calling to minister God's truth, but he's lived in a reckless way in some area of his life where he's no longer fit to do so. And so you look at that, Satan, Satan, I'll take that victory. I'll take that. You know, he'll take whatever he can get. Um, So this is why this becomes so important. Everybody here has something God's called you to do, right? I want to be effective. You want to be effective with what God's called you to do. Satan's trying to hinder us, thwart us, derail us, get us sidetracked, get us fighting the wrong battles, get us moving in the wrong direction. And so we have to take heed to our lives and that we be victorious in this battle. We're in a battle and I need to know I'm at war when I'm at war because the worst thing to do is be at war and don't know it. Because then you get hit upside the head. Like, I don't believe this is happening to me. When stuff happens to us, I'm like, okay, I know why. About that time, it's something else to happen or whatever. And you just accept it and you roll with it, you know, um, that you wouldn't be out here shocked. Like, I can't believe this is, I'm being attacked. You know, this is taking place. Don't be that person. Expect it. Know it's coming. Know that God will give you the victory. Know that everything you need to overcome, you already have it in Jesus Christ. And if we just walk in what he gives us, we'll be victorious. Satan's already defeated and we're already victorious, but we now have to walk this thing out. Amen. And so he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So be careful about fighting with people. I think that's the trap I see Christians fall into the most, where they're attacking each other and fighting each other. You know what happens on the sports team when they start fighting among themselves? There's no way they're going to beat the people that they're playing against. When you get a team disgruntled among themselves, it's falling apart. You know, you're starting to see this about the crumble right there. When you get the church of Jesus Christ fighting with each other, how could we be effective in reaching out there when we're fighting up in here? Amen? And so we need to resist that. None of us should want to fight with any of us because we're not the battle. The battle's out there. And so we got to make sure we keep the battle on the battleground. And so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13 says, therefore, second time he tells us this, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And we'll end right here. He says, you know, because of all this that we just you know, went over, he said, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all the standing. So the idea of withstanding is, you know, something's coming against me, but I'm able to withstand it. I'm able to stand my ground. I'm not being blown over by it. I'm not being knocked down by it. I'm able to stand my ground. My son is in martial arts. And whenever they get ready to fight, they say, you got to get in your fighting stance. And the fighting stance is the knees are a little bit bent. They're spread out just so. And it's a position where you can kind of go when the guys are walking around testing if they're in the right stands, you know, they'll shove them, and they'll push them. And if you're in the right stands, you'll move, but your base is good, you know. And God is saying spiritually, I want you to be able to stand. You might get rocked and socked a little bit, but I want you to be able to withstand in the evil day. When the attack comes, I don't want you blown over. I don't want you knocked down. God doesn't want us being whomped by the enemy. He wants us to be able to stand our ground. There's something awesome as you read your Bible and you look at men or women that withstood, right? It's one thing that like, oh, it'd be nice if everything could be honky door and we could not go through some stuff. But I'm impressed when I look at the Apostle Paul and I look at him withstand. I mean, he's in the valley of the fight right now and you're watching him stand his ground and continue to go for the Lord and not fall back and not fold up. There's something inspiring about that to me. In my own lifetime, I've watched believers go through stuff. And I watch them, instead of folding up and being knocked over, they withstand in the evil day. There's something inspiring about watching God's people withstand, right? The attack is coming. They're getting hit with it, but they're withstanding. That's what we want to be because not only is it giving you victory, but sometimes those victories are passed down, right? Sometimes the victory you get as you withstand in the evil day, somebody else sees it 
and they're inspired. And I, I want to close. The Lord just put this in my heart. So John Corson, one of my favorite pastors, um, he wrote a book called A Future and a Hope. And he went through some pretty horrendous attacks, you know, from the enemy uh, while pastoring. Uh, they lived up in Oregon, these windy roads and the snows. And he was driving their VW, whatever, down the road and they hit black ice and the car hit a tree where his wife was and she died on the spot. And so I want you to imagine the warfare in that while you're trying to pastor a church and lead and you got kids together and then boom, his wife died. Um, he keeps going for the Lord. Doesn't quit, doesn't fold up, doesn't fall back. I'm going to continue to serve the Lord and raise my kids and do the best we can. And so he's raising these kids and beautiful, godly children. He had a daughter who was a senior in high school and their church has a community communion on the morning. People can stop on the way to work, have communion and then go on to work. His daughter on the way to high school stops, worships, takes communion, takes off. He's still there finishing up this service and gets a call on her way down the hill. She hit black ice and had the same kind of accident they had, and she died, his daughter. And you look at that and think, man, if somebody could be mad at God, if somebody could just say, I need a break, I got to quit, I can't do the ministry anymore, I can't keep going, but he didn't. He never stopped. He just kept going right along the way. And I've seen over the years as other pastors have had children die, wives die, I've watched this man be a beacon. What he became for other people that have gone through this is a reference point that I can make it out of this, right? Instead of being buried in the lie of the enemy that this is it, it's all falling apart, he's become to many other people, pastors and other people, a picture of the fact that for most of us, that's the worst case scenario, but that you can still make it, um, that he's continued to thrive, continue to be faithful, continue to serve. I personally know people that he's extended great hope to. I know guys that have lost children. I know guys that have lost spouses. He's a reference point for many people. Right. Because he withstood uh, because in the evil day, he just continued to just God, I'm just trusting you. And when he wrote that book, he shares some of the things the Lord spoke to him over that time, how the Lord was building him up and ministering. He wasn't withstanding in the evil day in his own strength. He was completely done. He withstood in the evil day in the strength of God. And the cool thing about standing in God's strength is see, if I stand in my might, then you guys could look at me and be like, wow, he's so strong. I'm not as strong as him, so I can't stand like he did. But as believers, none of us stand in our strength. So if I'm standing in God's might, well, you got the same God. And so as I watch you have victories, you stand in God's might. I can stand too because she did it, because he did it, right? We got the same God. We got access. We're tapping into the same Lord. And so if they can stand, I could stand if I just will trust you and believe you and walk with you in the midst of this. And in that sense, in the church of God, we can extend hope to one another. That we, What God wants you guys, God wants all of us to be walking in victory. Amen. And so last thing, as believers, as we get victory from the Lord, um, there's a humility about that because we know it didn't come from us. And so as you get a victory in the Lord, um, you become an example to other people. Like, it's not my strength, but my victory is in the Lord. And so we can keep pointing one another back to the Lord, where all of our victories come from, where all of our strength comes from. And I believe we can be hope to weak people. You know, as I'm recognized that the victories that God has brought me come from him, I'm able to minister to other people. I can look at anybody in any situation. I believe that God will help you because he helped me. I believe that God will help you in your impossible situation because he helped me in mine. Uh, I believe the things that I couldn't overcome in my flesh, but that God enabled me to overcome, that he could do that for you too as you yield to him. And instead of being a group of people that, you know, we get a little bit of victory and start looking down our nose at everybody else, 
as God's kids, as we walk in victory and we're strong in the Lord and the power of his might, we start to reach back and take people with us into victory. Right? We're not looking down, but we're pulling up. Everybody we can take with us, we're trying to take them with us into victory. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of Ephesians is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the teachings tab or feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we study through the book of Ephesians, has it caused you to think about your relationship with the people around you? Do you love them as Jesus does? Do you treat them as Jesus would? Do you seek to cause strife or do you seek to honor the Lord in your relationships? Paul value unity just as the Lord does. If this is something you wrestle with, you're not alone. And although that may be comforting, it's also important that you strive to live in harmony with those around you. As we continue through this study together, we're praying for you. Would you also be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your prayers, and thanks for tuning into to today's edition of A Transforming Word.